Good morning, Crossroads. Uh, I want to thank you all for being here this morning. For those of you joining us online, I want to thank you for stopping in. Drop a line in the comments. Let us know you're watching. I want to try something different with everyone in the auditorium today. Would everyone please stand up and turn to your neighbor and repeat after me? Good morning. I'm glad to see you today. I'm going to worship louder than you this morning. All right, let's go. Let's get up. Let's put our hands together this morning.
Amen. <laughs> Another shot of praise this morning.
Amen. Church, you can have a seat. So we thank God for how incredible he is. He is the God of wonders, isn't he? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I hope that as we, as we have these times of, of worship through song that you guys, you know, we were singing and we're responding to the Lord through song. And I, and I hope that some of those words like just trickle into your head and your heart and you're like, man, like he's holy. But yet he's here with us, you know, in, 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 in all of our mess ups and all of our screw ups, we get to be in the presence of God and experience his power. We have so much to be grateful for, don't we, church? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, we're just we're just thrilled that you're here. We're thrilled that you're you know, that this is our church crossroads. This is home. And so we're thankful that you're here uh, in the building. And if you're online joining us uh, for the first time, you're. You know, you're choosing to be here this morning, and we're thrilled. And so if you're online, let us know. And if you're here in the building, please stop by the Welcome Center, connect with the team there, and just uh, just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here, and I have questions, or, you know, I heard about this uh, thing that I can, uh, a free gift, you know. And so please, uh, if you're here in the building, and you're visiting, and you're hanging out with us today, you're, um, you're one of our guests, would you please stop by the Welcome Center? And we'd love to give you something by just saying thanks for being here today at Crossroads. So um, I want to bring up Rhonda to share a little bit about the women's retreat that's coming up. So Rhonda, tell us about what's happening with the women's retreat. The women's retreat is fabulous and all of you need to come. We have a great team that is pulling things together to just make this an awesome weekend. What's really exciting is we have a lot of people signing up already. If you're somebody that hasn't signed up yet or has that yellow packet, please grab it from Allie Slagle. She's in the foyer today. You can register and bring that back in, or you can register online. But what's really neat is we have some people that are saying, Rhonda, I can only come by myself. I'm really not sure who to room with. And I'm saying come, because we have lots of uh, places to put you with people that you can room with. So don't have a fear of should I or shouldn't I. Just do it. It is a fabulous weekend. Like Kara shared with us, she went a couple years ago. It really is a life-changing weekend. We have so much fun um, just um, because we're who God created us to be is, is just Creatures that love him, people that just want to hang together, play games, but also a weekend that just spiritually will challenge you to just take the next step of um, that relationship you have with God. So um, if you haven't come um, before, please step out and just say, I'm going to do this. And uh, stop at the table. Allie will answer any questions that you have, but we hope to see you all there. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Rhonda. Yeah, so March 25th to the 27th, ladies. The women's retreat's coming up, so please sign up in the lobby, or you can see more information on, right on our website. You can sign up there as well. But listen, I want to just continue in that in this moment of like celebration. Listen, we can celebrate who God is, and then when we when God moves in our church and our lives, we need to celebrate. And so I want to show. Listen, we birthday gift to Jesus Church. We said our goal was a hundred thousand dollars. And, and, and through all the way even into 2022, through the month of January, this is where we're at right now. Can we show what has come in is 140,700. Praise be to God. Isn't that incredible? So, so much of that has gone out and the rest of that is going out. All that money that came in is going out and all the rest of that's going out this week. Listen. These people are going to be so encouraged. They're already encouraged just seeing this, this money come in and seeing church, our response to who God is and what he's done in our life. We're trying to be cheerful, cheerful givers as Christ, as, as Jesus tells us to be. And so this is what we're doing. We're just responding to who God is and what he's done in our life. 
And we're trying to be cheerful givers. We're trying to grow in that. So, church, thank you for being so faithful and to the birthday gift of Jesus and being faithful and giving here at Crossroads, period. We have a mission that's moving and active. And thank you for being part of that mission here at Crossroads through your faithful giving. We're so grateful. Listen, I want to tell you this next week, this next Sunday is uh, Super Bowl Sunday. And so here's here's what we're going to do. We're going to say, hey, next weekend is Super Sunday. So next Sunday is Super Sunday, and we want to encourage you all, wear your jerseys. Wear your jerseys. We're going to have Super Sunday, and it is going to be fun because, listen, as Christians, as followers of Christ, as the body, we can have fun. We can celebrate. We can get a little crazy sometimes. And so this next weekend, we're going to have our Super Sunday, and I encourage you all, wear your jerseys, and we're going to have a lot of fun. So we're going to watch the game later. You know, you guys will watch the games at your houses and have family parties and fun, even if it, you know, even if our team's not in the in the Super Bowl, you know, a lot of stuff happening. Like, but listen, some of you, I don't know, I'm sure there's a there's a fan somewhere, Rams. Um, but listen, we love you, and uh, Super Sunday's next week, and it's going to be awesome. So wear your jersey, and we're going to have a we're going to have a blast here at Crossroads. God's been good to us, and we're responding through song and through what He's doing through giving. And so, guys, thank you for again, like I said, thank you for being faithful and giving. God has been so good to us. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you for just the, the few songs that we've sang, and Lord, we're about to sing again and respond to you and just who you are and what you've done in our lives, God. And that's um, that's been the prayer of our hearts, Lord, of uh, through these 21 days of prayer and fasting and doing the 21 days of our 21 dangerous prayers uh, devotional. God, we asked you to change us, not just not bless us, but change us. And God, you've changed us to be more like yourself. You're doing a work here at Crossroads. We're so grateful. And Lord, uh, Lord, as we even leave and, and as we uh, have uh, the prayer journal, God, that's in the lobby, we can pray and we can spend time with you every single day, God, and, and just thank you so much for the faithfulness of your church and praying and just meeting with you daily, God, and you call us to be connected to you, to be connected to you, the vine, Lord. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are, for being the God of wonders, Lord. And, and, and as we continue on, God, just keep, keep just opening up our hearts to what you're going to share with us in your word today. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us, please, as we sing this familiar song, just praising God's name because of his amazing grace.
Father, we come to you this morning just thanking you so much for your amazing grace. How sweet the sound is, Lord God, that you allow us to lift our voices, play our instruments, just be in your presence each and every day because of your amazing grace and because of what you did on the cross for us. Lord, we want to thank you so much for just allowing us to come to the house of the Lord this morning where we can gather together with people that praise the Savior of the world. Lord, we ask that you will just bring us closer to you as the word is opened this morning, the living word of Jesus that is our guide, the one that just goes before us on every journey that we take in life, Lord. We thank you for being that God. And so, Lord, as we just continue in your presence this morning, as we continue fellowshipping together, we want your name to be lifted on high, Lord. That is what it's all about, just praising the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. 
continue in our series of uh, proverbs looking at the verbs that God has given to you. He's given you things to help you live like a pro. Um, I hope that you have been growing in your faith. I hope that God's been speaking to you and you're and you're you're picking up on some of these things that he wants you to do in your life. Aren't you thankful that God called us to be followers of Christ but he didn't leave you abandoned like what do I do? He gave it to you in His Word. What do you do? He gives you the help. He gives you the strength. He gives you uh, the direction of what to do. And so today, we're going to start with a verse. This is Proverbs 22, verse 1. It says this, that a good name is more desirable than great riches. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. A good name is to be chosen. Read it with me. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Now, I want you to think about uh, this, uh, a good name. What is a good name? When you think of a good name, uh, I'm going to throw up a picture here. This picture here, that's our city, right? When you think of, think of Pittsburgh, right? Let me just throw that out there. When you think of Pittsburgh, what comes to your mind? City of champions, right? We're the city of champions. Pittsburgh has a good name. You think of broken bridges, right? You think of buses and cranes flying over the city, right? You, you think of memes all over the country. We are national headline material. That's what you think of, right? Uh, how about this next word, permantes? What do you think of when you think of permantes? Turn to your neighbor and tell him what you think of when you think of permantes. I heard heartburn. Heard a lot of things, all right? Permanis, it has a good name. When, when people come to Pittsburgh, what do they do? They, you take them, you don't take them to Applebee's, you take them to Permanis, right? You go have fun with them. How about this? Saracens. When you hear Saracens, what do you think of when you think of Saracens? Yeah. Yeah, you're thinking, yeah, that's a good lunch date right there is what you're thinking, right? Uh, how about this? Steelers. What do you think of when you think of Steelers? You cry, don't you? You cry. Yeah, you cry. You think of Big Ben's final game and you just weep unbearably, right? Hey, by the way, next year for the Super Sunday, we are going to celebrate God. Uh, I want to encourage you, you go ahead and wear your shirts and your jerseys and all that. We'll have a fun day, but we are going to have uh, fun. We're going to rally around some of the super things that God did with that birthday gift to Jesus, and we're just going to celebrate. We're going to hear back from some of those missionaries just a little bit, uh, and then we'll go into the message, but we're going to have some fun with that. But anyhow, the Steelers, even though there's not a real game being played next Sunday, it's still super here, right? So uh, how about this one, penguins? What do you think of when you think of penguins? Think of the Stanley Cup. I mean, it's synonymous, penguins and Stanley Cup, but they go together, right? How about this one, CMU? What do you think of when you think of CMU? You think of, yeah, yeah, ooh. You think of smart, top dogs, right? So I want you to think about this. When you think of all these names, a name brings something. When you hear a name, it tells you something. And the Scripture says that he wants you to have a good name. And the Scripture says there that even better, a good name is even more desirable. It's rather to be chosen than great riches. He's not saying that riches are bad. He's saying that a good name is more valuable than great riches. He's saying that your self-worth is more valuable than your net worth. And when you put that whole picture together, you start to understand the good name. God wants you to have a good name. There is a reputation. When you go out there and you think about a reputation, what is it about a reputation? Um, you can think about different things about a reputation. Reputation is what people think you are. 
And character is what you really are. Did you catch that? Reputation is what people think you are. Character is what you really are. And God says that a good name, that name is going to mean something. So as you go out there and you have that good name, he wants you to develop it. And the first point in your notes there today is that a good name is not built on an image. You don't make a good name built on an image. We live in a world that is so image-driven right now. Um, billboards, advertisement, social media, you name it. Everything is about an image, and, and you can spin an image on a dime. But character, it takes time to grow character. And so a good name, and we're going to look here in the book of Proverbs this morning, a good name is not built on an image. You don't have an image that creates good, uh, good name. As a matter of fact, when God was choosing the king of Israel, he went uh, over, if you go over to First Samuel chapter 16, he's telling them, he says that the Lord does not see as a man see, sees, for the man looks on the outward, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I want to submit to you this morning that a heart is where the good name is developed. The heart, the Lord looks on the heart. So when God is saying here, it's better for you to have a good name, a good reputation, it's not some image that you can't live up to. Man, we can spin images like crazy right now. And uh, we can make people think that I have a good reputation. But God says that the way that you get that reputation is to build character. And you build that character. It's, it's, it's not an image you're building. You're building character. And so reputation is what other people think about you. And character is what you really are. So when you take that and you realize that, okay, if, uh, if I want to have a good reputation, I have to have good character. See, the world's way says, let's have a good reputation. Let's have a good marketing campaign. We live in the world of marketing campaigns. Um, your social media has enveloped every American into a marketing campaign. You can market your own family. You can market how you want it to be. You can market something and you can build a reputation that is not based on character. And God says, no, 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 no. In, in his word, you'll see that character is what the good name is built upon. So God takes time and he develops character in our life. I'm going to give you four traits this morning from the book of Proverbs that we see of how to develop a good name. How do we develop an, a good name? Number one, we grow in personal integrity. We're, uh, integrity is important. Personal integrity is everything. Like it's the foundation of everything that we're going to build your life upon has got to start with your integrity. And I want to encourage you to be a person who speaks with integrity. Um, integrity is to be on the, on the path, to be on the straight. And when you think of integrity, you think of straight. The, the whole idea behind the word integrity is straight, consistent. This is an, a person of integrity. It's the most important foundation of the characteristics that you're going to build upon this morning. Proverbs 17, 7 says it like this, Excellent speech is not fitting for a fool, much less are lying lips to a prince. Excellent speech, truthful, honest speech is not fitting for a fool. Somebody who's not wise, he doesn't use, full, he doesn't use truthful speech. He doesn't have integrity in his speech, much less lying lips are not meant for a leader. I want you to think about that. Wouldn't that be so powerful if our world understood that today? We have lying lips and leadership all over the globe right now. But I want, want you to see God's truth here. He says, look, 
that the, that the lying lips, man, a, a leader shouldn't have lying lips. He says that a fool isn't going to have honesty. So he shows a, con, uh, a contrast. And I want you to think about this. Uh, another translation says it like this. Respected people do not tell lies. Respected people do not tell lies. Uh, the, the person who has the good name does not tell lies. The person who has a good name is going to be respected. And so you say, well, I really want people to respect me. Well, there's some characteristics that God has given us in his word. And so you take them and you live them out into your word. So you take and you say, okay, I'm going to walk in the way. I'm going to use my speech. I'm going to be a man of my word. I'm going to be a truthful person. Think of the people that are known for their, for their truthfulness. Um, right now, this is President's Month, right? So think of Honest Abe Lincoln, right? You got Honest Abe. You got George Washington. I cannot tell a lie. I did cut down that shrub. I did chop down that cherry tree, right? Um, so when you think about this, you, you respect people that are honest. Jesus himself came and he said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I have the truth. He doesn't say, I contain the truth. He says, I am the truth. He is the truth. He cannot tell a lie. He is the straight and narrow. He has it. I mean, he is consistent. And thanks be to God that our God is a holy God, and he is a consistently holy God. He is consistently a God of integrity. He is always on the path. He's always straight. He's not out wavering. When you come to worship God, he's still the God of integrity. He's still the same God that he was in the Old Testament. He's still the same God when Jesus died on the cross. He's still the same God as your grandfather worshiped. He is still consistent, and that's why you can live your life today based on him, because he is stable. He is consistent. He is the God of integrity, and so he asks us to be people of integrity, your personal life. You see, when you come and your speech, what you say is important. Do you follow through with your speech? Like, listen, we live in a world where people don't follow through with nothing. Follow through. That's integrity. Yes, I said I would do this, therefore I will do this. See, that's integrity. Uh, yes, I will shovel your walk. Oh, it snowed. Oh, I, I don't want to shovel it now. Oh, yes, I will shovel your walk. And, and, you, see, and you do those things. Uh, Proverbs twenty five fourteen says, Like clouds and wind without rain is the one who boasts in, in, of gifts that he does not give. You ever see a storm start to brew, and it's brewing out there, and it's getting, it gets all fun out there, and you're getting ready to watch that storm, and all of a sudden it just goes away. You see the dark cloud, you see the wind, and then it's just over. That's what Proverbs says. He says, the guy who says something and doesn't live up to his promises, you know one of the greatest things that you can do to hurt your good name is to make a promise and not follow through. Make a promise to your kid and don't follow through with it. Make a promise to your wife and don't follow through with it. I mean, that is catastrophic right there. That's it. It's over. Right? She will remind you of that. Wives, you make a promise to your husband and don't follow through. It goes both ways. I don't want to just beat us guys up. We get all the beatings all the time. But I want you to know, listen, it's integrity. And so God says, be consistent. So the person who boasts, oh, I'll make a promise, and I don't follow through. Let me give you some common, unkept promises today. I'll get on that right away. <laughs> Isn't that a good one? I'll do that right away. Uh, yeah, okay. 
I'll see to that myself. <laughs> oh, man, are they, these are fun, aren't they? I'll return as soon as I'm done with it. I'll return it back to you as soon as I'm done with it, you know? Did you ever lend somebody something? And a year later, it's still in their garage? I know, because a couple of your things are in my garage. I'll pay you back as soon as I get paid. You ever lend somebody some money and, oh, well, they got paid and it's like, oh, here we go. Um, listen, I will start that tomorrow. And then we come before God. I promise, Lord, I'll get involved. I'll start to serve. I'll, I'll, I'll tithe when. And all these things become promises that we don't follow through with. And God says here, listen, man, a person of integrity, they set their, they set their course and then they follow through. They live that. And so a person of integrity, you don't have to question whether they're going to do right or wrong. They're always going to do right. They always make the right decision because it's their, 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 their integrity. And so when, you have, when you're a person of integrity, you, are, you walk securely. Look here what the Scripture says. Proverbs 10.9 says that he who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will be found out. If you walk in integrity, you're on the secure path. Another translation takes the second half of the verse and says, But the one who walks the crooked path will be found out. You see, that's the difference. Integrity says, this, yeah, this is it. I, you, you, know, you don't have to question. You know this person. He's dependable. Follows through on his word. Like he, he's, he's making the right decisions. He's following God. That's what a person of integrity does. The person on the crooked path comes over and says, well, you know, this was more fun, so I did this. And then I came back, and then I got over here, and then I did this. And, and their life's just kind of all over the place, and there's no direction in their life. And, and you wonder why, what happened in their life because, well, they went over here because it was fun over here. And then it went to the next fun thing, and then to the next fun thing. The person of integrity says, I'm going to keep going on the path that I'm called to. And God's growing this in my life, so I'm going to keep going. So the crooked path versus the straight path, that's integrity. And I want to ask you today to ask yourself, how am I doing on the area of personal integrity? How's my personal integrity? How honest am I with my wife, with my kids, with my church, with my business? With God. How honest am I? And that's what God's looking for. And so the person who has a great name, he's, he develops integrity. The second thing today is to serve others. I want to show you this. The second trait is to serve others. When we learn how to serve others, it is a great name. The people that you think are some of the greatest people are the people that have served and they have quietly done so. Uh, serve, serve, and, uh, serve with intensity. Put your heart into it and serve. Be eager to help others. Be enthusiastic about doing good and helping people. Proverbs 14.22 says this, Do not those who plot evil go astray, but those who plan what is good find love and faithfulness. Those who plan what is good, they find love and faithfulness. One translation says it like this, You will earn trust and respect of others if you work for good. In other words, look, come and learn how to serve other people. Invest into people's lives. You will earn their trust. You will earn their respect by serving other people. You know, right now we live in the me generation, don't we? And it's been the me generation for some time. But the me generation is reproducing another generation of me. 
and another generation me. So the me is going to keep repopulating and where it's like, hey, this is all about myself. And, and then all of a sudden, a few years back here, serving kind of became a little bit trendy. And, and all of a sudden we start to see that, hey, you know, it's kind of cool to go do things. And, and then what happens is we, we go to do things where we help other people and we take a picture of it. And then it becomes like, wow, look what we did. And in the meantime, it's what we're supposed to do all the time. We're trying to teach the children of our church how to serve. This Saturday, I see that we have kids in third and fourth and fifth and sixth grade that are coming out to serve. I want to encourage you, if, if you have kids that age, get them here. It's, it's good for them to learn how to do that uh, outside of your family. This is part of the church. But we're not trying to teach them how to do something that's a one-time event. We're trying to teach something that this is a lifestyle. And begin to think about this. Begin to think about how I can serve other people. And, you know, when you, when you serve other people, you're getting yourself off of the me and you're putting it onto something that's bigger than you are. Jesus said it like this in Mark 9.35. Jesus sat down with his 12 disciples and he said that if anyone wants to be first, he shall be the last of all and he will be the servant of all. He didn't say that he'd just volunteer an hour here and there. He says that he'll be the servant of all. You will meet needs. You will see things that need to be done, and you will meet the needs. Now, now consider this. Um, whenever you serve, and I have found this so true, whenever I serve, I gain a purpose that's bigger than myself. And I want to encourage you, get a purpose that's bigger than you are. Have a purpose that's bigger than you are. You see, you're putting your kids on a bus tomorrow to go to school. Have a purpose that's bigger than just your family tomorrow. Think about somebody else. What can you do? How can you encourage somebody? You're going to work tomorrow. You're going into your office. What can you do to serve other people in your office? Like, this isn't about you. And you see, whenever it's all about you, you're left empty. Like, like, you know, the scripture says here, a good name is better than great riches. And here's why he says it. It's not that riches are bad. It's that, hey, listen, the good name produces more than the great riches. Uh, if you want to, if you want to make yourself the center, uh, you know, center of everything, go out and just blow all your money in the next year. Spend everything on yourself. Have a good time. You will enjoy life and then see what you're, what you end up with. It's a whole lot of emptiness. But when you begin to see other people and you begin to serve other people, now you have a, you have a purpose that's bigger than yourself. And, and I'll just share this too. Whenever you serve, you don't serve for what's in it for you. You serve because you're meeting somebody else's need. Let, let me uh, explain it like this. If you have a flat tire and you call me and I come and change your flat tire, it would be a complete miracle that I actually did it, all right? Uh, you would... You would say, wow, he helped me with my tire. There's nothing in it for me. Nothing in it. It's inconvenience. I have to stop what I'm doing. I have to get dirty. I have to look up a YouTube video on how to change a tire. And I have to be absolutely uh, uh, you know, crazy to do it, but I do it, right? Same thing involved with the church. When you come into church... And, and you hear there's a need. Man, we need help. We need people to serve in the nursery. Come and hold babies. Let them throw up on you. Yeah. What's in it for you? A dirty shirt. An apron that you've got to wash. 
right? What's in it for you? When you come up, the, the people on the praise team, what's in it for them? They've got to get up here at 8. They've got to come in and practice. They've got to do all kind of homework all week long. Uh, what's in it for the, the people helping with the teenagers? What's in it for the people on the parking lot? How would you like to work the parking lot for the 930 service? Right now the heat wave started. It's going to be 40 today. Yeah. But how would you like to have been out there for the first hour when it was 12 degrees as I was coming in and saying, what human would possibly live in this area? And they're out there on the parking lot. Um, listen, there are people in our church that have some of the most brilliant brains. I think we have some of, the, some of the greatest thinkers in our area. Some of the smartest people in our area come to this church. I'm a little partial, but listen, I also know a lot about a lot of people in our church. And I want you to know that some of the people that you are sitting next to that you have no clue about, they're so humble, they come in and they serve you. They don't serve for what's in it for them. They come in and they serve because they have a purpose in their life that's bigger than them. And they don't come in and try to tell everybody how to do it. They come in and say, hey, listen, I am serving. And so they pour their heart into into helping around the church, helping in their community, helping in our world. So I want to encourage you, look in your world and find out where it is that you can serve. Proverbs 11:27 He who seeks good finds goodwill but evil comes to him who searches for it Set out your course to do good set out your course to seek to serve other people you will find goodwill but evil comes to the one who's looking for it you, you know, did you ever notice that if you're looking for something bad you're going to find it Set out your chart to do something good and God tells you this in his word So what I want to encourage you what are you looking for? You see, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6:33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Food, clothing, shelter. He takes care of his children. God takes care of his children. He always takes care of his children. So what, what does that mean for you? It means you seek him first. And when you seek him first, you're following what Proverbs said. You will seek goodwill. You're seeking him. Because you cannot seek to serve God without serving people. I'm not saying that you go make people happy. That's not what God is. You can't make people happy. I've learned that long ago. You can't make anybody happy. But what you do is you seek God. And as you seek God and you're serving God, you cannot serve God without serving people. And so as you go through life, God will give you many opportunities to serve, serve the Lord. As a matter of fact, I heard this statement once. Great occasions for serving God seldom come, but opportunities surround us daily. You know, the Billy Grahams, those are rare. Uh, big, hundreds of crowds, those are rare. But God gives us an opportunity to serve him every day. And if you don't take the opportunity on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, why would he give you more opportunities? He has called you. He's given you an opportunity to serve him every day. So seek the Lord. Seek him. Uh, seek the Lord, uh, uh, his will. Seek him first, and God takes care of the rest. Number three is very closely related to serving, is, is to grow in generosity. Generosity, you know, when you get around a generous person, you enjoy it, don't you? Not just because they may have given you something. But because a generous person has a generous spirit, 
They have a generous outlook on life. They're not living in scarcity. They are living with, uh, with others in mind. Psalm 112 verse 9 says this, he has, freely, he has given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. Now he says that, listen, the person who is generous will be exalted. Let me go back. I'm going to leave that verse up there. I'm going to go back and read the entire psalm. This is Psalm chapter 112. I'm going to pick up from verse 1 just so you can catch the bigger picture here. He says, Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commands. So there's the foundation. He fears the Lord, just like we've been talking about over in Proverbs. He fears the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is how you get wisdom, fearing the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments, the law of the Lord. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous. It is well with the man who is gracious and lends. The man who is generous. He will maintain his cause in judgment. He will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. So the foundation is he steadfast on the rock of Jesus Christ. He builds his life on the rock. And therefore, whenever all the storms are coming, he is not fearing. I love that. He will never be shaken. He will not fear evil tidings. He is steadfast. He is consistent. He is on the rock. He is upheld. His heart is upheld. He will not fear until he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. He has given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. Back to Pittsburgh. You recognize the Carnegie name, don't you? Andrew Carnegie, Carnegie Library, Carnegie Museum, Carnegie Science Center, right? Let me tell you a little bit about Andrew Carnegie. I don't know very much about his spiritual background. But I do know this, that when Andrew Carnegie died, they found his goals that he had written down. There was a slip of paper that he kept in his desk and my understanding is that he had written it when he was in his 20s, and it said this, the two goals. Number one, I'm going to spend the first half of my life accumulating money. Number two, I'm going to spend the second half of my life giving it all away. Andrew Carnegie ended up giving away in his day $450 million, which would today be the equivalent of $15 billion. He had a number of contemporaries. A number of them got together at a hotel in 1923. They were the most successful financiers of the day. They got together at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. And these tycoons, they controlled more wealth uh, than than the United States had in their treasury. These were the top dogs. And let me tell you what happened to them. I'm just going to read this. This was 
published in Forbes magazine, Forbes magazine several years ago. Number one, Charles Schwab. He was the president of the largest independent steel company. They met in 1923. Within 25 years, listen to what happened to all these guys. Charles Schwab, president of the largest independent steel company, lived on borrowed money that last, uh, lived on borrowed money, and the last five years of his life, he died penniless. He kept, at the end, he's just living on nothing, borrowing, and died penniless. Arthur Cotton, the world's greatest sweet speculator, died abroad insolvent. Richard Whitney, president of the New York Stock Exchange, spent time in prison. Albert Fall, member of the president's cabinet, was pardoned from prison so that he could die at home. Jesse Livermore, the greatest bear on Wall Street at the time, ended up taking his own life. Leon Frazier, president of the Bank of International, takes his own international sediment takes his own life. Ivan Kruger, head of the world's greatest monopoly, ends in ruins as well. And as you go through that list, what is interesting to me is out of that list I just read, these were the people that had all the money. They controlled more money collectively than the United States Treasury. But I'll tell you what, out of all those people, the only one you may have heard of was Charles Schwab. And then you look over here at Andrew Carnegie. And his horn is still exalted today, isn't it? You still see these the, the, the people uh, honor and, man, it's amazing the things that he was done. And what I want to share with you is that Proverbs says this, basically, is that you are not remembered for what you receive. You're remembered for by how you give. You remember by how you have blessed, how you've encouraged other people. People are never honored for what they receive. They're honored for what they have given. And so I want to encourage you. Listen, we're all called to be generous. It doesn't have to be $15 billion. I don't live in that world. Do you? If you do, let me know. I'll help you. Uh, listen, none of us are living in $15 billion worlds. But I'll tell you what, I do live in a $20 world. And whenever I walk by a homeless person and I have a $20 in my pocket, I have the opportunity to be generous or to be stingy. Whenever I see a need within the church, I have an opportunity to be generous or to be stingy. God has given us 100% of what we have. And and when I hold on to 99% of it, God says, man, that's not generosity. That's why he taught us about tithing. Tithing, when we tithe, we give to God the 10%. It's a, it's a, that's a spiritual growth thing. And God's not just concerned about the 10%. He's concerned about everything he gave you. He wants you to be a generous person. He wants you to go out and invest into other people and, and meet needs. And whenever you do that, see, listen, this is the good name that God's given us. And you say, you know, Jesus himself told the story about the, the people who said, Oh, the, you know, when did we pass you up, Lord? Because he said, Depart from me. I, I, I never knew you. And, and, and he said, Well, you came up to me, and, and you've done it unto the least of these, and, and, and you didn't take care of me. In other words, they saw the person in need. They saw the person who was the lowest, and the lowest of the lowest, and they walked away from him. They walked away from the homeless man. They walked away from the person who is in need in their church. They walked away from the person who's in need in their school, in their neighborhood, at their company. They walked away from that person and didn't even listen it's not about an amount. It's like, hey, do I respect this guy? 
Do I love this guy? Do I care for him? Can I buy him a cup of coffee? Can I sit with him? Can I talk with him? And so uh, as God works in our life, we have these opportunities. And listen, the homeless guy, that's an extreme because you don't see too many homeless people. But there's people with needs all around you every day. And God says, I want you to be generous. I want you to think about what you're doing with what I have given to you. Look here at Proverbs 11:25. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. This does not mean if you are generous that you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. I want you to catch this. It means that you will have the, 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 what you need. The, the generosity, if you are generous, you are rich also by the way you live. I am complete. I am full. There is much more to value than things, folks. And so I want you to catch this. The generous soul will be made rich. Another translation says it like this. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will they themselves be refreshed. It's like giving blood. You know when I give blood? Isn't that a wonderful experience? Yeah. <laughs> You give blood, and you're like, is it done? And you know what happens to you? God gives you more blood. Like you go, you gave a pint of it to help somebody. You walk away from there, drink that cup of orange juice, God starts making more blood in your body. And you know when you're generous, that's what happens. You give that away. God says, I'm going to start making more inside of you. I can do more. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more because you're generous with it. See, Jesus was generous, wasn't he? He went all the way to the cross. He left the portals of heaven, came down, and went all the way to the cross. He made the greatest of sacrifice, and look what God did with his sacrifice. God the Father said, yep, you did what I wanted you. Look, look at all your children. Look at all the sons and daughters now. Of, of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. He paid the price. He gave more than you could ever imagine. The generous soul, it will be made rich. This is what God calls us to do. And then Jesus said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. He wasn't saying that earthly treasures are bad. He's saying, look, there's something more. Lay up treasures for yourself in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt. And I've got to share this with you. Um, I, I bought my wife a pair of earrings for Christmas last year and uh and this year they opened up their gifts again and to my surprise i bought her the same exact pair of earrings two years in a row i can't make this stuff up folks i'm just telling you my wife is here is that true honey yes and i'm like i'm like honey these are custom butterfly earrings no two butterflies are the same i guess that's only true of snowflakes not of butterflies okay People and snowflakes, not, not butterflies, right? So, and then she comes and tells me later on, it's okay, because the ones you bought last year, they're tarnished. They're sterling silver. And they've just turned all dark and tarnished up. She says, so I'm very happy to have the same thing again, aren't you, honey? That's my little love bug over there, you know? But my, uh, yeah, I, and it, you know, I bought everybody the same. I didn't know it. I went to, I said, hey, give me this. Because when you're colorblind, it all looks the same anyhow. So, so next year, I can't go to that little hut anymore. It's a, down in Market Square, the little hut that sells all these things from overseas, right? 
she took it. She's wearing the new earrings. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven that aren't going to tarnish, that aren't going to fade, that won't be the same next year. <laughs> because they tarnish and things don't live. Now listen, you could buy a much fancier gift. It still doesn't last. And there's nothing wrong with the gifts, and I'll buy her another pair of butterflies next year. But I want you to catch it. Lay for yourself treasures in heaven. Number four, he says to be humble. Number four, all throughout the book of Proverbs, humility. And listen, we can't talk enough about humility. We could do a whole series on humility. Humility is the key to your Christian growth. Just the moment you think you've arrived, you've lost it. Um, look here at what the Scripture says about humility over in, over in Proverbs again here. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. Pride brings you down. It brings you low. You want to you you feel bad about yourself? Just become prideful. The humble in spirit will regain honor. They'll retain honor. Proverbs 3.34, surely he scorns the scornful. God scorns the scornful, but he gives grace to the humble. You know what God does with the arrogant? He resists them. James 4.6, James quoted it again. He says, he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. You want, you want the grace of God to be evident in your life? You humble yourself. You wave the right flag, the white flag. Lord, I am surrendering to you. And you say, I need your help. And you do that daily. Now, how am I humble whenever I'm in the work environment? How am I humble in the family environment? How am I humble in the church environment? It requires, and listen, humility is not me going around saying, I'm no good. I just can't make it. That's not humility. Humility is power under control. As I told you, in this church, there are several people that are some incredible, brilliant people that have done some incredible things in our world. And you would never know it because they have power under control. They come in and they serve in some of the least places you would expect them to be serving because they are power under control. They don't come in. They don't condemn. They say, yes, sir, what is it that needs to be done today? And they submit to God. They submit in humility. And because of their humility, you love talking to them. You get to rub shoulders with them in the hallway. You get to learn with them. You get to grow with them. And this is what God does. You see, because God resists the proud, he gives grace to the humble. First Peter 5 says to clothe yourself with humility. That is, the idea is like putting an apron on. You ladies put an apron on, right? When you cook, you throw an apron on. He says throw the apron of humility on. Put it, you gotta put this on every day. Every day I gotta get up and I gotta say, okay, Lord, not my will, but your will. And I put the apron of humility on. Proverbs 16 says it like this. 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit goes before a fall. Pride goes, read it with me. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. This is where pride will take you is destruction. At the refuel conference, Jonathan Falwell uh, brought this verse up and he said, listen, most people, you think pride goes before a fall. The scripture says destruction. 
destruction and a haughty spirit comes before the fall. Pride leads to destruction. It is better, verse 19, it is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. I like what Jonathan Fowle said. He said, when it's all about me, it's all about over. And I love that statement. When it's all about me, it's all about over. Now go home and to your family and think about that. When it's all about me, it's all about over. If you've made your relationship with your spouse about you, it's all about over. The way to heal that is humility and make it all about them, all about us. I want to encourage you in your family, in your church, in your job, wherever it is that God, listen, God placed you in these places for his honor and for his glory. He has given you the new name. You know what that new name is? Child of God. And as the child of God, Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation given to you to those who belong in Jesus Christ. You already have the good name. And God tells you how to live. Now, let's go out and let God develop our character. See, because you failed yesterday doesn't mean you will fail tomorrow. It means you failed yesterday. We go forward in faith. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, before we sing our closing song, I want to ask you to respond to Christ. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He wants to give you that new name. Maybe you haven't opened your heart to Christ yet. Maybe you haven't trusted him, what he did on the cross. That's the beginning. It's, it's humbling. You have to come before the Lord and say, Lord, and I, I need you because you paid the price for my sin. And as you come to him and you ask him to, to open your heart, you trust him. Trust Him with your heart and soul right now. Pray something like this. Dear God, I'm a sinner, and I need you to save my soul. God, I want to become your child, and I want the new name that comes from you. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You rose again. I invite you into my life. And for others this morning... Maybe God's been speaking to you about integrity. Maybe it was generosity. Generosity with your time, your talent, your treasure. Maybe he's speaking to you about humility. Where's the area that God spoke to you about? I want to encourage you, go home and make a plan to meet with the Lord. Father God, be with each person as we take the things we have heard from you and we walk out of this place and we respond to you and we grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song unto the Lord and worship his name.
this dark room in silence Fuel imagination Tonight the stars shine bright and spell my name The winter cold chill blows away And bonfire fire warms my heart Under the night sky I'm drifting Surrounds me, the cricket sings.